Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. what we sing about, and that is to rain down upon us. Our soul has a way in this world of getting parched and dried out, amen, because we're living in a world that there is just a dearth for godliness and uh, holy things, but I am thankful that when we come into this place, this is the place of refreshing, amen, and this is where we can receive and our souls that are thirsty can be can be quenched amen in the presence of the Lord and uh, we need that anointing we need that touch of God praise the Lord and I, I realize that I realize sometimes that we come in here on services especially on Sunday morning and um, we are a little bit uh, hesitant because traditionally Pentecost has been kind of governed and taught that we're a Sunday night crowd, and uh, but you know the Lord deserves to be worshipped all the time, hallelujah, Sunday morning, Sunday night, he said from the rising of the sun, he didn't say what day it was, he said from the rising of the sun till the going down of the same, the name of the Lord shall be praised, hallelujah, and uh, you know what, we know how to praise God around here, we really do, we know how to worship God around Sometimes we have to have a lot of encouragement to do it, but we know how to do it. Amen. And I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to rattle the spurs. I, I don't want to have to try to motivate people to worship God. I, I'm not a. I'm not a very good cheerleader at all. I'll just tell you that. Praise the Lord. There should be something within us all that spontaneously, when we get in the presence of God, and even if we're not all the way there like we want to be. We just push until we get there. Praise the Lord. But we, we love Him enough to say, God, I came to your house with praise on my lips. I came to your house with a song in my heart. I come to your house ready to lift up your name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And when we put forth that little bit of effort, the, the more you worship, the more you want to worship. The more you get in the presence of the Lord, the more you want to stay there in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. And I can't, I can't tell you, I can't explain it all, but sometimes you've got to press through some barriers. You've got to press through some resistance in our flesh. Praise the Lord. Because, you know, flesh is the biggest obstacle to real, true Holy Ghost worship. Amen. It's the biggest obstacle. Our pride, our flesh, our lack of want to, whatever, is the biggest obstacle to us breaking through and really worshiping God. But on the other side of that, on the other side of those dull feelings and and maybe that sluggishness spiritually when we just go ahead and break through and in faith we give praise and worship and thanksgiving to God my doesn't he meet with us hallelujah he he works in our lives I want him to work in me this morning I need the influence of the Holy Ghost in my life I need the influence of the Spirit in my life Praise the Lord, because if I don't have his influence, the world's going to influence me. The things of this world are going to begin to shape and mold my life. But if I have the influence of the Spirit, he said he'll lead me and guide me. Praise the Lord. I'll make good choices when I've got the Spirit's influence. I'll make good decisions when I've got the Spirit's influence. Praise God. Second Samuel chapter 21. We move into our second sermon here. 2 Samuel chapter 20. Man, I'm sorry if I said 21. Chapter 20. 2 Samuel chapter 20, and I wish that I could read um, much of this, but I feel like sometimes I read so many verses that we miss uh, the essence of it. So I'm going to try to give us a little background in the preaching today. 
beginning with verse 9, and Joab said to Amasa, Art thou in health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with the right hand to kiss him. But Amasa took no heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand. So he smote them, smote him therewith in the fifth rib, and shed out his bowels to the ground, and struck him not again, and he died. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued after Sheba, the son of Berai. And one of Joab's men stood by him and said, He that favoreth Joab, and he that is for David, let him go after Joab. Amasa wallowed in the blood in the midst of the highway. And when the man saw that all the people stood still, he removed Amasa out of the highway into the field and cast a cloth upon him. And when he saw that everyone that came by him stood still, when he was removed out of the highway, all the people went on after Joab to pursue after Sheba, the son of Bertram. I want you to notice the Bible says that in verse 10, but Amasa took no heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand, so he smote him therewith in the fifth rib and shed out his bowels to the ground and struck him not again, and he died. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursue after Sheba, the son of Bertri. And one of Joab's men stood by and said, He that favoreth Joab, and he that is for David, let him go after Joab. And Amasai wallowed in blood in the midst of of the highway, and when the man saw, note this, that all the people stood still, he removed Amasai out of the highway into the field and cast a cloth upon him. Very graphic, graphic picture here that we see in this passage. But I want to preach to you something that I feel strong on my heart here this morning. I want to preach to you today from this subject, things that happen. Things that happen on the road. Things that happen. There's a lot of things that can happen on the road of life. There's a lot of things that can take place on this journey that we call life. Amen. And I just want to preach to you today, and I hope to help somebody. Things that happen on the road. Would you lift up your hands and your voice once again with me? And let's pray that the Lord God of heaven bless and have his way in the remainder of this service. Jesus, come on, would you help me pray? Jesus, I'm asking you to anoint bless this service today. Let your word help somebody. Let it be anointed to every heart that is here. And I pray that your word would strengthen and move deeply and in our spirit. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. I'm praying, God, that your complete and sovereign will could be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. And would you clap your hands once again to him? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. Thank you so much for standing, and you may be seated. Traveling is something that I have really learned to enjoy. When I was younger, I would do my very best to shorten the distance between two locations. And I don't know if it's maturity. I don't know if it's just a change in the pace of life or if it's fear of receiving a traffic violation. But in recent years, I've learned to enjoy the journey a little more. Of course, uh, one of the things that's probably made it more enjoyable is the enhancement and uh, the benefit of better uh, traveling accommodations. Nowadays, it's almost like you're driving down the road in a recliner. Can you say amen? Versus the old days. I remember my grandfather talking about the Model T and the Model A or whatever back in his day, and he said, you know, son, they only ran about 45 miles an hour, but he said, I promise you that's as fast as you wanted them to go because it seemed like you just hit a rock in the road and you were in the ditch. I mean, there just wasn't much uh, 
capability there with the steering mechanism because it was so primitive. They didn't have air conditioning systems back then as we do today. I remember even in my time, uh, and I don't go back real far. I'm a 1973 model, but I had a 75 Chevy pickup that had no air conditioning. And when you get in Houston, Texas in July with no air conditioning, it makes you thank God for when you finally acquire some. Praise the Lord. And uh, traveling is a much easier thing nowadays. We have a turn-by-turn navigation on many of our vehicles. We have such things as XM radios. And uh, it sure beats getting finally a station dialed in that you enjoy, and then suddenly you drive out of the area, and it's only static. But we have, we have things now that make our traveling a whole lot easier. In fact, if you get tired of the radio and you get tired of talking to the person that's with you, you can get on your cell phone nowadays. You talk on the cell phone. Business never stops. And uh, these cell phones, I, I tell you, they're uh, kind of a, a must-have situation. I realize that uh, we've got to have them, but it seemed like we sure did have a lot more peace and quiet without them. Can everybody say praise the Lord to that? Amen. But traveling is, in fact, much easier nowadays. And uh, if we get in a hurry in our pace of life, and, and it's easy to do with all of the demands that is upon us, if we get in a hurry, if we're not careful, we'll miss a lot of beautiful things along the way. And even in our traveling, this is true. There's a lot of beautiful scenery that if you have the time and the leisure and you could take the drive, you can drive up north of here and you can see the dogwoods in the spring. You can wind around through the Ozark Mountains. You can see the fall leaves around October. And uh, maybe you can drive and see uh, mountaintops and hills and, and uh, then lush valleys. You can see vistas. Uh, you can see streams. You can go and drive around a lake or a river. And uh, if you go out west, you can drive in the Sierras or you can go to the Rocky Mountains. If you go the other way, you can go to the Appalachian Mountains or the Blue Ridge Mountains. And if uh, you're fortunate enough in your lifetime, you need to. You need to go uh, to Yosemite. and You need to see those great redwoods. And you need to drive around through the sequoias and see those massive, massive trees that are there. There's a lot of things that can be enjoyed and seen from a road, from a highway, as we're traveling down it. I think we live in a very beautiful nation. I've been in some other countries that weren't nearly as beautiful as America, and I'm thankful that I live in America that has so much diversity and beauty within its borders. Amen. I'm thankful for that. But uh, the setting of this scripture that I read to you from here this morning is in a highway. It was a very difficult time, if I could give you a little backdrop for King David's reign over Israel. This is a very difficult period within his reign as king of all the nation of Israel. His own son Absalom had rebelled against him. And in so doing, he endeavored to not only rebel himself, but he convinced with his very charismatic personality many others to follow him in this revolt. And he was endeavoring to overthrow David's kingdom and David's throne. And even though Absalom had became an enemy of David's, David being his father wanted and wished for his military leaders. Joab was the captain of the host of David's army. And he wanted for the men that were under him, even though they were going to have to deal with Absalom, he wanted them to deal gingerly if possible. He wanted them to deal gently as possible with him. Deal with him with compassion and deal with him mercifully because this is my son. I know that he's not doing right. I know that he's not... Uh, following the ways of God and not being obedient, but I want you to deal gently with him. But the Bible clearly states that it was not uh, only the desire of Joab to 
extinguish this son of David, Absalom's, but he did it in a very cruel way. Joab was riding his mule and he got under the boughs of a tree and his hair that was very long caught in the boughs of that oak, the scripture says, and he was caught up between the heavens and the earth and there in a very vulnerable position, it was Joab that came and thrust darts or arrows through his heart. Now, you have to be in close range to do that. You have to have a certain amount of brutality to do something like that, to thrust darts through a person's heart and look them square in the eyes while you're doing this. Joab was a very bloodthirsty individual. And so when the news came back to David from the battlefield that not only had Absalom's army been overthrown, and had been defeated, but Absalom himself had been destroyed and his life taken. He had been killed at the hand of Joab. You can feel the anguish in this father's voice as you read how that he turned himself from them. And he said, oh, Absalom, oh, Absalom. He said, I I wish it had been me instead of you that had died today. He was grieving for his son. And almost immediately after this, he replaces Joab with Amasa, who we read about here in this scripture. And as it sometimes happens when there's one rebellion that breaks out, there was another revolt that broke out. And there was a man by the name of Sheba that had made up his mind that he was going to revolt against David and his kingdom. And the scripture says that David sent Amasa to go and deal with this problem. He said, I want you to go and uh, take the armies, and I want you to be victorious over this man that has decided to revolt against my kingdom. But the scripture very clearly says that Amasa did not move on it immediately. He did not follow the king's commands immediately. But the Bible says that he tarried longer than the set time appointed for him. The enemy was being allowed because of the reluctance of Amasa to go out and do what the king had commanded him to do immediately The enemy was allowed to amass weapons. He was allowed to get stronger, get a greater strategy for battle. And he was able to strengthen himself and his power. And so the longer that that Amasa waited to go out to battle, the stronger the enemy would become. And there is a message in that. And that when the king gives us a command, when the Lord of glory gives us the ability to get victory over an enemy, we don't need to be reluctant. We don't need to stand back and waste time. But we need to take advantage of the opportunity that God has given us to be victorious over our enemies. Can you say praise the Lord? It's important that we move when the king commands. It's important that we step out and that we honor the king's command when he gives us the order. We need to not be slowful. We don't need to be reluctant. We, we don't need to waste time. But right then and right there, we need to respond to what the king wants us to do. Because I'm going to tell you every service that you allow that spirit to exist. Every service that you don't deal with that. Every opportunity that passes that you don't get in the altar and get victory over that. Can I tell you that it strengthens in your life. It gains more power and authority in your life. It takes more dominion in your life. Because if I know anything about the devil, he's not satisfied with just occupation of a little bit of you. He wants all of you. I said he wants to literally destroy you. He wants to take you down. He wants to consume you. He wants your life. The Bible says that he cometh not but for to steal. That's bad enough. I can't stand a thief. I don't want to be stole from. 
but not only steal your joy, not only steal your completeness in God, not only steal your happiness, your fulfillment, not only steal the good things that God has blessed you with, but he wants to kill I said, man, that'd be enough, amen, to get stole from and then to be killed. What else can you do? How much further can you go? But he also wants to destroy. In other words, he wants to obliterate any memory of you. He wants to destroy your reputation. He not only wants to take your life as it is right now, but he wants to wipe you off of the map. He don't want you to have any legacy that lives beyond you. He doesn't want your life to go any further with its influence. He wants to destroy it. He wants to abate it. He wants to take it down. Because the devil, you give him opportunity, he'll not only occupy one little area, but he's always looking for more territory to possess. He's always looking for more that you will give him. And so we have to meet him. It may seem like in the little things, but we have to be willing to fight there. That's right. Amen. Somebody said, well, it's just a little deal. I'll give a little ground here. I'll compromise a little bit with the devil on this angle. I don't, I'm not going to worry and fight and fuss over this. I'm going to tell you what. If the devil gets a toehold in one little area of your life, he's not going to be satisfied with it. He's going to come back for more. He's going to be there knocking on your heart's door saying, what else can I get? What else can I possess? What else can I take rule and dominion over? What else can I take authority over in your life? And before you know it, uh, amen, he's drove a wedge between you and God. He's, he's totally annihilated your relationship with God because he's not satisfied with just a little. Amen. And that's really not my message here this morning. But I just feel along the way to tell somebody, you better meet him and fight him over the little things. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He said it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. You've got to fight off those little foxes. You've got to be willing to deal with those little details, those little minute things. You say, well, I'm not going to get caught up in the minutia of all of that. I'm not going to get bogged down in all of that. Sir, you better, you better make up your mind there isn't one thing going to come between me and God. There's not going to be one little thing that's going to encroach upon my relationship with the Lord. I'm not going to let him steal not one little bit of time between me and God. I'm going to spend time with the Lord. I'm not going to shrug it off and say, well, I know that it's time for prayer, but I'm busy, so I'm going to just yield this day or this week to God. I'm on vacation or it's summertime and so I'm going to back off a little bit. No, you better become more dedicated in the day that we're living in than you have in any day. Because we are living in the last days. And yea, I say the last of the last days. Any moment the trumpet could sound. Any moment Jesus could return for his church. And I don't want to be half-hearted. I don't want to be in a spiritual slump. I don't want to be cold in my heart. I don't want to be dead in my spirit. But help something to be alive in me. Help me to be found faithful. Help me, oh God, to be on fire for you. Clap your hands and let's praise him this morning. But he's, he's reluctant. He doesn't go quickly and take care of business. And so Joab, who once filled this position, realizes the need of moving quickly. Though he didn't probably have the right motivation, he calls for his brother Abishai and he said, let's go and let's get this job done. And as they're on their way, they come in contact on the road with Amasa. And the scripture says that Amasa was totally off guard to the intent of Joab. This is a man that almost seems like a little bit of a dunce to me. I mean, first of all, the king tells him, I want you to, I want you to go take care of this battle. And he waits around and he lollygags around and he wastes time and doesn't fulfill the duties and the responsibility. I mean, he's a newly appointed captain. Usually when people are newly appointed to any position, usually they're zealous about that position. But this was not the case with the mouse. So he's a little different type of person than your normal guy. And then when Joab, who is, who is the man that he replaces, comes up, he's had to hear the brutality and the reputation 
of being bloodthirsty of Joab, yet he seems so off guard at this moment. And Joab asked him about his health. He asked him, I hope you're in good health. Amen. With somebody that you've taken their position away from them, uh, you, you've got the promotion over them, and they're, they're wanting to talk about the weather, and they're wanting to ask you how you're doing with your health. Amen. Alarm bells need to be going off, Amasa. And he's just not getting it. And, and I guess it was the greeting and the custom of that day to grab a man by the beard and kiss him on the cheek. And I'm glad that's not the custom of our day. Matter of fact, we don't, we don't do beards, but uh, I'm glad we don't do holy kisses either. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so, yeah, I heard at least one amen, and it was a baritone amen. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful for that. Anyhow, on with the message. He, he doesn't notice that while he's giving him this greeting that Joab has pulled a dagger out, and he's thrusting it into his fifth rib. It was so brutal. It was, and it's very graphic here in the in the scripture. And so I want you to I want you to understand what everybody standing around is witnessing at this moment. As his bowels, his guts, are cut out on the roadway, and he falls down, and he's bleeding, and he begins to wallow and writhe. In his blood, the scripture says. And this is such a brutal thing. Can you imagine the shock of those soldiers that are standing there? Now, they expect this kind of behavior to an enemy that they're going to fight. But these two fellows are supposed to be on the same side of things. And, and now, uh, he has literally, he's literally taken his life right there with a dagger in front of the entire army that he's going to now attempt to lead into battle. And it happens right there in the midst of the roadway. And these guys, you can hear perhaps a gasp that comes from this army as they watched this duel between these men. And when he falls down, Amasa does, in the roadway and begins to writhe and take his last breath. They're witnessing all of this. And it wasn't long after that that Abishai, the brother of Joab, said everybody that's with Joab and everybody that's with King David, we're going to go on and take care. We're going to take care of this enemy of David. So we want you to march on with us. But the Bible plainly says that they stood still. They stood still. They were in such shock. They had seen such a dramatic event that they were totally froze up, if I could say it that way. As they looked and they witnessed this, they were all struck. And, and when the command came to continue on and to go forward and to move, they, 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 couldn't, they couldn't respond to it because here was this man that had been disemboweled in front of them. And so they simply stood there in horror. Uh, the people stood still, the scripture says. And this tragedy has literally stopped the progress of this army. And they are focused on this and they have forgotten their assignment. They've forgotten what the king's command is for them as an army. They've forgotten what the will of the king is for them as an army. They have forgotten what they are commissioned to do. Now, most all of us are aware that on interstates, uh, even though there's laws and even though there's, there's training for, for drivers and, and there's things and regulations and, and certain types of vehicles that are allowed and certain types that are not and there's speed limits and there's all kinds of things to help us to be able to travel safely that there is accidents that occur on the interstate or on the freeway. And uh, because of this, uh, the road workers, they know that, that if an accident happens on I-30, for instance, that in just a little while, there's going to be a massive pileup. 
there's going to be people that are going to be stopped on the highway. I've seen it a few times in living here. I-30 become a parking lot, basically. And it's just backed up for miles as far as the eye can see. And it doesn't take long. Many times uh, it can be something very small. And other times we've seen some horrible, horrific accidents that have taken place. And road workers know if the debris are not removed quickly, if the carnage is not taken off the road quickly, then there's going to be, even as tragic as it may seem, uh, even as, as, as hard-hearted as it may be in one sense, they realize that if these debris are not quickly taken off the road, appointments are going to be missed. Schedules are going to be disrupted. And people are going to be immobilized, thousands of them. And finally, when this man witnessed what was happening, the Bible doesn't give what the man's name was, but when he saw that the command had went forth, to put there because there was something hindering. There was this man that was dead who had once been their captain in the middle of the road. And they stood there in shock and in horror looking at it. Uh, when he realized that progress was impeded, that these men were not going to march, the Bible says that he grabbed a hold of Amasa and he grabbed a hold, maybe he grabbed him by the legs and he drug him off the side of the road and he placed a cloth over him and covered him so that they wouldn't have to see they wouldn't have to see this graphic picture and uh, they were able to go on and do the will of the king in this very dramatic story I think we find a very powerful picture and we learn something by looking into this passage we see a very important principle for us to live by. Can I say I wish that tragedies didn't happen? I wish that bad things didn't happen. I wish there were no disappointments in life. I wish there was no times when your hopes were let down. I wish there were no times of discouragement and despondency. I would to God that nobody had to endure uh, these kinds of things. There was always things turning out as we desired them to. But it's not so. And bad things occasionally do happen. And sometimes we become so fixated on them. We become so focused on that one bad thing. I'll never forget Brother Major's preaching here for us a few years ago. And he's since passed away. But I'll never forget his message that morning when he taught from the book of Job. And he preached a message about the days of Job. And he said, we take the book of Job and we take this sad saga in Job's life. And we look at that and we examine that and we feel like that was the sum of, of Job's life. That was all of his days. When in fact Job had lived a whole lot of days before this trial. And he lived a whole lot of days after this trial. But we focus on that particular period. Isn't it human nature to focus on that? Focus on the tragedy. Focus on the thing that caught us off guard. Focus on the disappointment. Focus on the heartache. Focus on the hurt. Focus on the pain. And it stops our progress in life. And when things like this happen, if we're not extremely careful, that event, that event will mark every day from that day forward the rest of our lives. It will consume us. We'll become so entirely focused upon it. It will take years off of our life. It will arrest our progress. It will stop our dreams from being fulfilled and coming true. Maybe it's a failure. Maybe it's a hurt or a wound. Maybe it's a disappointment. Maybe it's an offense that came against you. Amen. On the road of life, it stopped your progress. It kept you from enjoying any more of the journey. And it seems like though, though days and years have gone by since then, it seems like you've cycled back around to that same place on the road. You're still standing there in shock that it ever happened in the first place. You're standing there aghast that, that anything like this could ever occur to you. 
I don't deserve this. Maybe you didn't deserve it. I, I, didn't, I didn't plan on this. And none of us plan on disappointment. None of us plan on things happening like this. But I'm going to tell you, you better have a contingency plan. You better have a, a desire that wells up on the inside of you that says, you know what? I may have been disappointed and knocked down, but I got my mind made up. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to bounce back. I'm going to go on. I'm going to be what God wants me to be and do what God wants me to do. This is not going to be the end of me. This is not going to be the end of my spiritual quest. I'm not, I'm not through being blessed by God and used by God and anointed of God. I'm going to go on. I'm going to do more for God in the future. I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to get up and dust myself off and go forward in God. Remember what Jesus told his disciples. He said, you're going to go out witnessing. You're going to go out doing my work, my will, commissioned by me, anointed by me. And even being anointed by me and me putting words in your mouth to say and me helping you and being with you and working through you, there's going to be people that are going to reject you. There's going to be people that's going to look you right in the eye and say, I don't want what you got for sale. I don't want to have anything to do with your God. I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus and living for the Lord. I don't want that. He said instead of getting discouraged and despondent and stopping there on the road and letting that mark your ministry and and your ministry being a failure from that point on, why don't you just dust your feet off and walk on and go to somebody else? Because if I sent you, there's somebody that wants it. If I sent you for it, there's somebody that you're going to be successful with. There's somebody that wants to hear what you've got to say. There's somebody that's going to have an ear to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just keep on going. Amen. Amen. At some point, you've got to drag it off the road and allow the blood of Jesus to cover it and go on and do the will of the king. Get on with the business of life. While I'm preaching right now, someone's mind goes to that place of trauma. It goes to that place of tragedy. It goes to that place of pain, place of abuse perhaps, or place of disappointment, a place of hurt. It's a different place, a different location, a different type of thing for each one of us. But I've got a word for you. Drag it off the road and keep on going. Keep on walking. Keep on worshiping. And keep on praying. And keep on having faith. Keep on being faithful to God. You know, a lot of times people get right on the brink of blessing and give up. You realize how many people get right there at the barrier that, and they're pressing on it, they're putting pressure on it. It's almost like they've taken a, they've taken a sledgehammer and they've, they've banged into the wall until it's just on the brink of falling down. And then they quit swinging. They quit. They give up. They quit believing. They quit worshiping. They quit being faithful to the house of God. And it's almost like they forfeit their future blessing because they said, you know what, I've tried a little bit and it didn't work. I'm going to tell you, God's faithful and nobody else is faithful. God doesn't lie when everybody else lies. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he gave you a promise, he shall fulfill it. If he gave you a word, you can stand on it. You can bank on it. You can be secure in it. I can't tell you when. I can't tell you how. But I can tell you that he's faithful to come through every time. He's not going to let you down. It doesn't matter how great the disappointment was and how possible it may seem at this point. The devil is a liar. Get back up. Drag that defeat off the road. Cover it in the blood of Jesus. And go on. Walk with God. Stop letting that thing impede your progress stop letting that thing hold you up in the road in the journey of life stop letting that thing keeping you from doing the will of God things that happen on the road can affect us in two areas that I want to close with here this morning first of all it affects and challenges our faith amen and without faith you know why the devil wants to kick the props out from under your faith because he knows without faith it's impossible for you to please God. It's impossible, the scripture says, for you to be able to do the will of God. 
Without faith, you're, you're out of it. You're out of the game entirely without faith. It takes faith. Faith. Amen. It doesn't take much faith, but it takes faith. Amen. And all of us have a measure of faith that's been dispensed into all of us. It's how much we exercise it. And the devil's trying to rob you of it and steal it. And that's why you've got to protect it. That's why you've got to, that's why you've got to make sure that you keep your faith in shape. Keep your faith where it needs to be. Exercise it regularly. Amen. Our faith is built up by us being tested in our faith. Our faith grows stronger through the resistance to our faith. So it's God allowed. We've got to understand that, that those things that come against our faith is God allowed. But don't let the devil take your faith. Don't let him diminish it to the point that you don't have any faith. Because it's impossible to please God without faith. Amen. And sometimes when we've tried and we've endeavored and we've tried uh, our best and we've given our most and, and still we haven't seen the result that we'd like to see, we have this tendency to say, well, it, it maybe, maybe it's not going to happen. But again, if you received a word from God, whether it be in this word or a promise from God that's been maybe preached across the pulpit or you felt it when you were praying, you need to hold on to that. Bible gave Elijah the prophet a word that it was going to rain after there had been long season of drought. And he turned to Ahab and opened his big mouth and said, boy, you better get home. Because if you don't, you're going to get so bogged down with the rain that's coming that your, your, your chariot wheels aren't going to be able to turn in the mud. You're going to get bogged down. We're going to have to pull you out. And the Bible says that right there, there was really no sign of rain. There wasn't any clouds, evidently, in the sky. There was no thunder, no lightning, no evidence. No, you know, you can kind of smell that or feel that in the air that it's going to rain. There wasn't any of that. And he, the Bible says, did what? He put his head between his knees and began to pray. Why would he continue to pray if he'd already received a word? I think this is a message to us. Sometimes we back off of our faithfulness when we think that we've got some kind of confirmation or we see some sign that it's going to work out. We kind of back off. You know, we was praying a lot more when we didn't have two nickels to rub together. But now God blesses us and advances us. And, and then we're having a struggle finding time to come to the house of God. And a struggle finding time coming and, and talking to the Lord and praying and seeking the face of God. Amen. Don't allow that to happen. Do like Elijah did. Put your head between your knees and pray. And he sent his servant. He said, I want you to go look out on the horizon, see what you see. And he went and he come back. He said, nothing, nothing, nothing. Amen. I'm going to tell you when, you, when you get nothing for your efforts, when you get nothing and it looks like you're going to be embarrassed because you took a step of faith, it looked like Elijah was going to be let down because he's the one that stepped out and opened his mouth to King Ahab and said it's going to rain. It looked like it was going to be a failure for him. But he said, no. He said, go again. And the scripture says that he went again seven times. He just kept going. He just kept going. He didn't give up. I want to preach to somebody. That's the way you need to be. That's the attitude that you need to possess. You need to keep going. You need to keep going. There's times when you, you feel like, man, I just don't feel like it. I, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on, but there's been disappointment on top of disappointment. Keep going. Rain's coming. And then he came back and he said, I, I see the cloud the size of a, a hand. The, the, the cloud is the size of a man's hand. Now, what kind of rain after that big of a famine and that long of a drought, what what kind of cloud is that? The size of a man's hand. But put your hand up in the sky. You can cover the sun. You can cover the moon. You can cover a lot of clouds with your hand in the sky. Because something that's a long ways away, it looks smaller. Amen. What was he saying? It's coming this direction. 
It's, it looks it's so far off. It looks small. It looks insignificant, but it's still coming. So, so he just kept praying. He kept believing, and it wasn't long until there was an abundance, the Bible says, of rain. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to somebody in this place. It's time to go back to the prayer room. It's time to go back to the place of worship. It's time to go back in faith. It's time to go back, amen, to the church house and say, God, I'm going to praise you tonight like this is my last opportunity to ever praise you. I'm going to worship you like this is my last opportunity to ever worship you. I'm not going to let disappointments mark my faithfulness. I'm not going to let disappointments define my prayers and my praise and my worship to God. Amen. I'm going to give a shout of praise no matter how I feel currently. So it's, it's your faith that is tested on the road of life. But things that happen on the road of life can also affect our worship. It's hard for broken people to feel liberty to worship. You feel so vulnerable. But you know it's the worship of a broken person that gets God's attention. Amen. Back to Job. After he lost everything, the Bible said he took a potsherd, a broken piece of pottery, and was scraping himself with all. And one would think that he was saying, woe is me. Woe is me. Look at this. I prayed every day. I went to church every Sunday. I did everything that was right that I possibly knew. And look at this. Woe is me. But that's not what the Bible said. Said he had the other hand up in the air. He was saying, Naked I came into this world. Naked I go thither. The Lord giveth. The Lord taketh away. You know what he was saying? He was not giving credit to the devil for taking things. Amen. That's the first thing we want to do. And I'm not saying the devil can't take things, but he can't without permission from God, is what we learned in this story. Amen. The scripture says, The Lord giveth. And the Lord taketh it. God, what he was saying is God's still in control no matter what it's looking like. God is still in control of everything no matter what it seems like. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. I'm still going to praise. I'm still going to worship. I'm st- Devil, you're not taking my worship away. You're not taking my worship away. On this Sunday morning, I'll raise my hands. I'll lift my voice. I give you praise. Things that happen on the road of life are not going to take away my worship. I'm going to drag it off the road, cover it in the blood of Jesus and keep on dancing and keep on praising and keep on worshiping God. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Come on, let's really worship the Lord. Somebody needs to break forth here this morning and give some praise unto God. Give some thanksgiving unto God. Amen. Give some worship unto the Lord right now. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Hallelujah. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Hallelujah. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to praise his wonderful and holy name. God, you're so good. You're so good. Amen. Maybe I'm talking to somebody here this morning. I don't know why I keep coming back to this. Living for God, serving the Lord in your life, you had a picture, perfect picture of what you wanted to become, how you wanted things to turn out. 
And there's been some things that's been painted into that picture that you did not imagine, that you did not plan on. There's some things that's been placed into that thing that we call life that you had no expectation of. Walking down this road, you come upon something that was unexpected. You're left with a choice. Are you going to stay right here? Are you going to let this bog you down? Are you going to let this hinder you from ever being used of God? Are you going to let this keep you from being what God wants you to be? Are you going to let this define the rest of your days? Are you going to let this affect your faith in such a way that you become bitter or embittered with life? Or are you going to take it and drag it on the road? Let the blood of Jesus cover it. And keep walking on and doing the will of the King. Praise the Lord. I wonder if we couldn't gather in these altars close. Let's gather up close and stand around this front here and pray together. Hallelujah. I believe the Lord's moving on some folks even now. Even now. Let's come on down to the altar. Let's come on and find a place to lift up our hands and our voices to God and say, God, I need you. I need you to help me. I need your strength. I need your touch. I need your guidance. I need the help of the Holy Ghost. Come on, step out. Make your way, make your way, make your way this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I know it's simple. I know we say it all the time. But when we raise our hands, what we're really saying is, I'm giving it all to you, Jesus. You're in control, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you raise those hands and say, God, I give it all to you. I place my prayer request in your hand. I place my desires in you, in your hands. I place my future in your hands, oh God. Hallelujah. I'm trusting you. Hallelujah. I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm not going to let this wound of my faith cause me to doubt Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Hallelujah. I'm going on. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe the Lord right now. Come on. Let's talk to him, church. Let's reach out to him. Hallelujah. Let's, let's right now lift up our voices to him. I thank you, Lord.